0: This week, we introduce our true crime case for season three, the Barnes family murder on Russell Cave Road. We also chat about some recent headlines that are pretty interesting, including the plans for the new soccer stadium downtown, a potty-mouthed congressman, the national no-fly list, the new biscuit spot in town that already has some pretty decent hype, and a supposed doping in the horse racing world. Later, we'll chat German food in the Lexington scene. And as always, Johnny has a solid movie recommendation as well. Oh, and he also tells us about Lexington Horse Girls on Tinder. Yeah, stay put, okay? Hi, we're the Lexington Podcast.
1: We are all things Lexington, Kentucky.
0: History... True crime, current events, and local recommendations.
1: Glad you're here, y'all.
0: So how was game night? It was good. Uh, With your friends? (laughs) Yeah. I truly love that you host game nights for your friends. Yeah. It's just the right amount of nerdy that I can really... Appreciate. That I can really appreciate.
1: Well, hey... My favorite new, my new favorite game is uh, Cranium. I
0: got you that for Christmas. I know.
1: I've forgotten how great it is. It truly is wonderful.
0: That's the one where. Everybody on your team has to take turns like sculpting something out of clay yeah, or like acting it out or drawing it uh-huh. or drawing it
1: blindfolded. Or it's like, or trivia or like word puzzle type stuff. Yeah. That's time that you kind of have to work together.
0: So there's something for everybody on your team yeah. to feel like they're good at something.
1: You know what's funny is like the main one that everyone's always trying to like avoid is the call. It's called the star performer. And it's like the charades. Oh, charades. Like this and that kind of stuff. Everyone's always like, no. (laughs) I want the word scramble one or whatever.
0: (laughs) Because they don't want to stand up and act something out. Exactly. There was a feature in Time Magazine a few years ago that polled all these Americans and asked what their greatest fears were. And, of course, spiders and snakes and all that was top ten. Number two was death. (laughs) And number one... Was public speaking.
1: <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. I could you know? buy that. Yeah, I could, I could buy, buy that, that too, uh-huh. for sure. Followed right after with death.
0: <laughs> so, you would recommend Cranium as a group game. What other games do y'all play?
1: There was one, it was it was strange. It was called Secret Hitler.
0: Secret Hitler?
1: Secret Hitler. Yeah. So, you're like, what the hell is that all about? And it's basically like a murder mystery.
0: Remember those? Oh, uh, like Mafia. Uh-huh, like everyone looks down. And yeah, somebody's a killer.
1: Uh-huh, and then someone who got the card that says Hitler. And looks back up whenever everyone has their head down. They they have one like Nazi spy buddy, and then both of them are trying to convince everybody, along with everybody else, that they're not Hitler.
0: Yeah, no, this is a very, very, very common game, very classic game. Yeah, Yeah. even they even played it back at like. What's the first one called? Church Camp Murder Mystery? No, Mafia. Is it called Mafia? It's called Mafia. That's right, fair enough. I feel like we're going. Maybe re- regressing by calling it Hitler. <laughs> Maybe we should just keep it mafia.
1: It's 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 fun though. It really is. Okay, so that's another good one. Okay, awesome. What about Wait, you? Have you played any good board games?
0: I'm recently teaching my oldest how to play gin. She's really gotten into like cards, yeah. and she's getting pretty good. So we've been working on that. And then of course, aggravation, which is just a classic. Uh-huh. Didn't, didn't you play Modern that?
1: age classic. Yeah. Didn't you play that
0: with her recently? It's
1: just like a souped up sorry.
0: Yeah. Where you, know you have mean? to knock people back. Uh-huh. So fun. I that's, love that's
1: Fiona's favorite part. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm getting
0: close. <laughs> no, I'm gonna get you. Let's knock you back. <laughs> it's a good game for a seven year old because they get the rush of like knocking somebody out, but they have to learn the humility of also being knocked out. That's true. And it's really hard for seven year olds. Uh-huh. And so it's a tough but very worthy lesson to oh, learn. Totally. Okay, let's jump right into this episode. I have a really great true crime for you. In mm-hmm. our last episode, we talked about how I was going to be introducing the Barnes family murder that happened in Lexington, Kentucky in 1973. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to introduce it. I had originally thought that this particular true crime case would take three episodes. I think I might be able to knock it out in two. Okay. So I'm going to introduce cool. everything today. And then we're going to then, of course, move on to our in the news segment where I just talk about a few headlines that have caught my eye. I remember calling you yesterday. I'll just tell our listeners this. I was like, which headline do you want to do? And you were like, well, I like them all. Just do a rapid fire. Just tell me all of these. I so think mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm do that instead of us going really deep yeah. into one because I've been cutting out all of these Herald Leader and LEX18 articles I'm just gonna like go over several of them. Do a little
1: hodgepodge of them. Yeah, I
0: think I will. And then rapid fire. And then I'm gonna uh, we'll end with out and about and your movie recommendation. You got a movie recommendation? Of course, of course, great, (laughs) (laughs) excellent. Okay, so let me tell you and interrupt me anytime. This is not some script. I mean, it is a script, but feel free to ask questions. I do want to start off, of course, with a warning. I'm going to be detailing the events of a murder, so listener discretion is advised. And remember, this is the case where it's not outwardly on the true crime scene of lexington like why true, I, be, I don't know actually I, probably because it's so incredibly tragic it
1: wasn't a lesbian lo- love triangle
0: <laughs> drag show. <laughs> it didn't quite make no, the news no Um <laughs> uh, wish wish it did gonna go ahead and say that but i think it's just because it was a family and there's something about that i figured
1: those would really make the news you know like
0: it, it, no, Elizabeth it was,
1: Turpin and Karen Brown are interesting people, but a family murder is also really high profile type stuff.
0: For sure, especially when you're involving like teenagers like this one is. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was not around. We'll figure it out. I will. I but there's it's hard to feel like why wasn't there more news about this? <laughs>
1: why isn't this more popular? That's horrible this horrible murder. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, it would be a lot of Reddit threads and I'm not
1: willing to go down that rabbit hole
0: those are fabulous rabbit holes but they're not entirely credible fair enough so (laughs) remember this is the case that i was for a brief moment a dance mom and yeah yeah, my daughter was doing dance and i met this other woman in this dance mom circle and she was like oh come over and so i did and they just bought this house and this i was just like a kid in a candy store because it was this mid-century modern ranch out on Russell Cave Road and as she's walking me out to my car she's like yeah we got a pretty good deal on it and I don't know if it's because it needs updates and some work or because there was this heinous murder that happened <laughs> in it and I was like okay so definitely googling that the And I get back into my felt thought I was a weirdo because I like got in my car and like didn't move and like <laughs> I just got on my phone but Um, It was October 1st, 1973, a woman named Geraldine Ewalt was in a car line, she was a parent, in a car line outside of Sayre, downtown, the Sayre School, which back then existed as a private school, even today exists as a Was it called Sayre back uh, then? It's called Sayre. Sayre actually used to be a women's college. Huh. Yeah, back when- men and women did not go to the same college so sayer was the women's college no and then at some point in the early 20th century it got switched over to just being a
1: K12 private
0: K12 private school exactly this was just a normal fall day the federal building sat directly across from Sayer, and the third floor of the building at the time was used as a holdover cell for prisoners awaiting trial on federal charges. Around 4 p.m. that day, three men escaped from the third floor holdover cell. They had somehow sawed through the bars of the window. As cliched as that sound... Sounds like something from like a Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Looney Tunes uh-huh. comic, but they they saw, literally sawed through the bars of the window, jumped from the third floor window to a lower loading dock on the building next to them, which was about two stories high. And then from that building jumped down onto this grassy embankment down below. The ringleader of the whole operation was a guy named Wilmer Elvis Scott, who was originally from Tennessee. He jumped off the roof onto a grassy area behind and immediately popped right back up onto his feet. How would you know that? So not only does he describe it later as to what happened, but there are witnesses And that's that's a part of an interesting part of the story is that this is being witnessed by just regular bystanders who were downtown and from police and people working in the building themselves. Like they knew it was happening. It wasn't like this was like sneaky.
1: Well. Well, what, what gives? How could you get away with it then? Okay,
0: so let me first tell you what Heath said about this situation. Quote, I couldn't get off the roof. I kept walking around and everybody was looking. People and a couple of marshals pulled in and people were staring from across the street. So I just backed up about 30 foot, closed my eyes, and just run until there wasn't nothing underneath me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wilmer. <laughs> Wilmer. Hey,
1: just so we can get our, in, in, in our heads, the street that separates Sayer from the federal office is Pleasantstown. So, Is it? Uh-huh. Pleasant Stone. Okay. You would never know that unless, you know, you were-
0: Was it Pleasant Stone back in 1973? I, I don't
1: know, but, but but that was his escape route. He didn't, he didn't go down Bar Street, surely. Probably not. Like a busy courthouse street, right? But Pleasant Stone's kind of, you know, in the middle of- No one goes down Pleasant Stone for anything, I don't think, besides to get to Limestone.
0: Or d- to get to Sayre. Or
1: to get to Sayre, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, interesting. So, Pleasant Stone was his uh, escape route. Okay. Pretty interesting
0: wilmer elvis scott had actually escaped another prison a year earlier so he's a seasoned escapee mm. it ended up resulting in the rape and kidnapping of two women
1: Man, screw this guy yeah
0: so he's that's the thing to remember about him is that he's a full-blown psychopath he's not a good person he was convicted and given a life sentence for his crimes for that escape attempt which was successful and then he went on to rape and kidnap women So at this point, he's in Lexington in the federal holdover cell knowing he has a life sentence. And now he's escaped again. His partner in crime during that rape and kidnapping was a guy named Roy Dill Collins, who was in the Lexington cell with him and escaped with him that day, jumping out of the window just as Wilmer Elvis Scott did. Except Roy was not as lucky as Wilmer. Instead of just running full force off of the building, he <laughs> he sits down and scooches to the end like a normal like like oh, God fearing oh. man. Yeah, what? yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and because of that, when he goes down, he breaks his leg. He does immediately and is like incapacitated. Can't run with Wilmer off.
1: And Wilmer ditches him.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. But there's a third guy. Okay. So there's three escape, and the two that were like partners in crime before this, the ringleader of the two gets away. The other one, who's kind of like the follower. Wilmer gets away. Wilmer gets away. The other one, Roy, falls down, breaks his leg.
1: And waits to be apprehended.
0: And is apprehended immediately. Then the third one is a guy named William Sloan. Okay, so this third guy jumps off the building, pops right back up, just like Wilmer did. And runs off with Wilmer. Here's the thing to remember about. Those two don't know each other at all. Hmm. William just saw an opportunity when Wilmer jumped out. And then was able to to kind of like follow him. So hold on. Let's actually call it. This is, this is the part of, I knew that this might confuse people. Because Wilmer and William have very similar first names. Their last names are Scott and Sloan. So they have kind of similar last names. I'm going to, from here on out, call them Scott and Sloan, if you don't mind. Fair enough. Scott is the Wilmer guy. Scott, I would
1: prefer Elvis for Wilmer, though.
0: Okay. You want to do Elvis? Yes. I thought about that, too. Yes. Okay. So Elvis and Sloan. Perfect. Okay, perfect. So Elvis is the bad guy. So keep in mind, a lot of people see this happen. It's a huge commotion. There's an officer that runs up to the guy who broke his leg. And he handcuffs him immediately and stands there next to him to make sure that he wouldn't run away. But you have all of these bystanders who are like, he's injured. He's hurt. He's not going anywhere. Go get the other two guys. There's two others that ran off down this road. And the officer refuses and stays with the injured one waiting for backup, Hmm. essentially letting the other two, you know, get away. Inadvertently, I'm sure. I'm sure he was following his duties or whatever. Protocol. Exactly. So Elvis and Sloane. All right. Mm hmm. Are on the run. Keep in mind, Elvis is the ringleader and the true psychopath of this story. In addition to a long rap sheet of violent crimes, he also already had a life sentence for kidnapping and rape. He has zero empathy for others. Sloan just follows Elvis that day because... What do we know about Sloan? Slo- yes. very, very little. Sloan is from Louisville. He's 26. He... Um, just wanted to escape and saw a really great opportunity to do so Only in prison for auto theft charges okay. and has no prior record for violent crimes
1: Okay bad place with the wrong guy Exactly
0: and didn't probably didn't know what he was getting himself into for Like real. did not make a great choice like let me just follow this escaped convict out
1: How old is elvis
0: elvis is about 36
1: 36 yeah okay. So a,
0: there's a 10-year difference between them yeah. elvis is a psycho. He's a ringleader. He's a convicted rapist and then you've got Sloan, who's 10 years younger, who's like Grand Theft Auto kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So so they don't know each other at all, but suddenly they're partners in crime. They run as fast as they can away from the federal holdover, one block over, and come across Sayer. They see this long line of cars, parents waiting for school to let out so they can pick up their kids, and they run to the very first car in line, to a woman named Geraldine Ewalt who was the first in car line and unfortunately had her car doors unlocked. She later testified, quote, I was the first car in line and I was parked to the right of the driveway. I had been sitting there approximately five or 10 minutes when both doors were jerked open. Elvis came in on the passenger side and Sloan pushed me out from under the driver's seat and jumped in. Elvis then stated that they were escaped prisoners with life sentences hanging over their heads. He went on to say that he had a knife and he would slit my throat if I made one move. I told them they were crazy and I tried to get out of the car. I began to struggle and attempted to get the keys. Every time Sloan attempted to take off, I would put my foot on the brake. I was also screaming and attempting to blow the horn as much as possible. So this is one of the craziest parts of the story is that Ewell puts up quite a fight inside the car. She's not going down without a fight. And keep in mind, Elvis comes into the car from the front passenger side, right? Slides in. Then Sloan forces his way into the driver's side, which forces her in the middle oh, of the God, two of that's them. That's terrifying. She's in the middle of this bench seat yeah. in the front seat of her own car sloan is trying to press on the gas and yule is screaming and fighting and trying to press on the brake and everyone else in the car line of sayer is seeing this go down and does nothing what yes it's one of the mysteries i think of this particular crime is and they're like herky jerky like jumping forward and back because one's pressing the gas yeah. and one presses the brake one presses the gas and like they're screaming there's uh, there's car honking like, this is a spectacle in front of a school that most likely doesn't see stuff like this every day. So everybody does nothing. It's just really...
1: That's hard to believe.
0: Yeah, and sad or something. Very sad. Ewell later tells the Herald-Leader that it takes them several minutes to even get out of the parking lot. She says, quote, Finally, we ended up on 6th Street. Elvis told Sloan that we had to get out of here. And Elvis told me to tell him where I lived and I wouldn't tell him or say anything. He struck me again and cursed me. He said, you tell me where you live or we'll kill you right here. You probably have kids at home and we'll take care of them after we figure out where you live. She begged them not to hurt her kids if she took them to her house and they said that they wouldn't and that they were quote family men themselves. They just needed a place to hide out and figure out their next moves. Ewalt didn't have much of a choice. So she took them to her house on Chalbury Court. Elvis tells Yult over and over that he will kill her kids if she even thinks about making the wrong move. They finally go to her house. They go inside and immediately find Yult's two other kids, her 11-year-old son and 12-year-old daughter. They tie up Yult and her two kids and begin ransacking the house looking for anything of value. And, of course, everyone is terrified, especially since... Elvis had said what he did. He was acting extremely erratic at this point. Tells the mom over and over what awful sexual things he'll do to her daughter if she doesn't comply with helping. And apparently, there kept being these neighborhood kids. This is kind of an interesting part. These neighborhood kids figure out that the mom is home. They see that the car is in the driveway. And so they keep knocking on the door to play with the other kids. Yeah. And it start. It continues to kind of freak Sloan and Elvis out, and so they also knew that Ewalt's husband would be home soon. So they end up taking what they could from the house, which was a twenty-two caliber rifle, several kitchen knives, and about eight dollars in cash before leaving the Ewalt residence in the Ewalt car. Huh. Miraculously, they left Ewalt and her two children tied up, not harmed. So they were very, very lucky. The next family, the Barnes family on Russell Cave Road, which was their next stop, would not be so lucky. By the end of this tale, there will be six dead people at the end of this night. (sighs) Yeah. So they essentially go on a rampage or a killing spree and... I think a lot of it comes back to the idea that the ringleader was somebody who knew that like he was on borrowed time anyway, because he knew he was going to have a life sentence. So that made him very emboldened to just like go off and do whatever he wanted to do. And poor Sloan was kind of along for the... Like didn't stop anything, but also didn't help anything. You know, like he was kind of... He wasn't quite a patsy, definitely more than that. But wrong place, wrong time, wrong decisions, so...
1: Did, did Sloan end up ever testifying, obviously, against Wilmer to be like, he did it all. It was all, you'll he's find, the psychotic one, not
0: me. You'll find out next episode.
1: Mm, fair enough. All right. That's a great setup right there.
0: The next part is hard to hear. I do mm. want to warn our listeners for next episode. I'm going to use as best vocabulary I can, not to make it too hard to listen to, but it's it's a rough one. It's a rough case.
1: I'm sure it is.
0: That's pretty sad. Let's talk about what's in the news lately. Yes. All right. I got a whole.
1: You got a whole slew of things. I got a
0: whole slew. Uh, this one's from my girl Linda Blackford, mm. who's my favorite writer of the Herald Leader. In an article titled "Quote Who's the Most Cringe Member of the Kentucky Congressional Delegation?" We have a new winner, <laughs> and so she starts off by saying, "You know, of course the normal one is Mitch McConnell, mm. but in her own way is liking the fact that he's not backing up Trump in yeah. his latest nonsense." Mm. Like, which is something that we all kind of can. Trumpers hate he would McConnell do. now. All these members of Congress are boarding a bus in D.C. to go to the Capitol for a vote. "Quote." Representative Joyce Beatty, Democrat from Ohio, saw the 84 year old feudal kingpin known as Representative Hal Rogers from Kentucky boarding without a mask and respectfully asked him to put one on. Whereupon, she said, Rogers poked her in the back and told her to kiss his ass. <laughs> He later apologized, probably at the insistence of his younger staff, who understand the optics of a white-haired, red-faced guy from Kentucky telling a 71-year-old black congresswoman to kiss his ass.
1: Smart. Yeah. Good science. that has got somebody on his team there in that <laughs> office. Like, I mean, this guy's getting too old.
0: <laughs> um, I just think it's so interesting. Like, it made a lot of news. There's at least three or four articles all about how he was like, kiss my ass, I'm not wearing a mask. Huh. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm sure that's like a, he's like the poster boy for an, another group of people that are stoked to hear that though. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like but, sealed a whole bunch of votes.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's one uh, we've got, here's my next headline, which it had the ty- the words Bloody Mary in it. So obviously I cut that one out. We've got a new breakfast spot in town and no I'm, I'm taking you to it, brother. Yeah. Sometimes. So, yeah, yeah. It's it called? called biscuit belly. <laughs>
1: So Say no more. It's
0: a Louisville-based Biscuit Belly, which is opening multiple locations in Lexington, but it officially opened its first location, East Main Street, directly across from like where central office is for Fayette County Public Schools. Okay. Right okay. there... What would that be next to like McGee's? Right next to McGee's Bakery, basically. On um, on Main. On Main, uh huh. Fast casual breakfast, brunch, and lunch seven days a week. Gourmet biscuit sandwich items. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also with cocktails, including bloody marys and mimosas. Really, but it has a following. People. The
1: biscuit place has cocktails. Yes,
0: and it's fast casual, so it's very like come in, do what you want, be on with your day. Mm. Like, it's not like this grand sit-down situation.
1: Good, thank God.
0: Yeah, but it still, still serves cocktails. What,
1: is this like a uh, First Watch-esque?
0: Maybe. We'll have to see. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you this, it's got, there's hype and there's a following.
1: Or is it Josie's-esque? Is
0: he oh, no, is it real corporate looking or nothing's Josie's ass. That's true. I love Josie so much. Delta asks the Department of Justice to put unruly passengers on a no fly list. Apparently, unruly passengers are at an all time asinine. Unfortunately, I've heard that, too. This is from the Atlantic Journal Constitution. Quote, Delta Airlines is asking the U.S. Justice Department to create a national no-fly list of passengers who have been convicted for onboard disruptions. The rate of unruly passenger incidents on Delta has nearly doubled since 2019. And the airline is offering more self-defense and de-escalation training for flight attendants because of this. Yes. A list of banned customers doesn't work as well if the customer can just fly with another airline. So Delta, for example, would have like, no, you're not flying with us. But then that passenger can just be like, cool, I'll fly American or I'll fly Southwest or I'll fly whatever. They want it like a full-blown, everybody's on board, you're banned and cannot fly to really send the message of like... You cannot assault, accost, be crazy towards our employees. It it all
1: comes down to the whole mask crap. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, for (laughs) sure. It
0: talks quite a bit about that. However, so you say that, but this particular article ends with, again, quote, Last month, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York said it had arrested three women who had assaulted a Delta security officer in a jetway at a New York's JFK airport, alleging that after they were denied boarding for a flight... Sure, due to a mask, they, quote, viciously assaulted an airline security officer by beating him to the floor with his radio and then kicking and punching him in the face and body while he was down.
1: Jesus. I won't wear a mask. (laughs) And now you die.
0: (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. Bless his heart. not that awful?
1: (laughs) Ladies, ladies, can't we just bam, bam?
0: Ladies, no. (laughs) Please stop. Please stop. Just wear your mask. Ladies, ladies.
1: It makes no sense. Like, whenever you see those videos of people being like, sir, can you please get off the airplane or, or put on a mask? Mm-hmm. They, they double down and yeah. they waste all this money. They really do. Why do that? Why? Um, like I understand, like wanting attention and wanting to stand up for what you believe. Yeah, but it's about to be so much more than it's worth. Like there's a time and a place to like say you don't want to be you don't like you don't want to wear masks, but you're about to completely ruin uh, whatever you had planned, as well as piss away 500 bucks or whatever your ticket was. It makes no sense.
0: I think I can weigh in on this. Help me. Help okay. me. Help me understand. I. I, I work and without saying too much, because you and I don't want to make this podcast too much about ourselves and our own jobs. But as you know, I work in a field where I I deal with a lot of how to put this unruly customers Mm. (laughs) that have their own opinions as to what should happen to them and should happen around. So I deal with a lot of people that are told what to do and then they double down often themselves. And I think a lot of times it comes down to ego. Like, oh, other people have seen you tell me something. I'm not going to allow you to tell me something. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where like, well, now I, I can't just like sit down. I'm already screaming.
1: Even at the expense of hundreds of dollars and a uh, like a fine, possibly a felony. When all you have to do to avoid all those things is just put on the mask, yeah. in, just in that moment. And when you get home, you can talk about how big you are, and you're not going to wear masks and dirt, 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 but in that moment where you're about to lose a bunch of money and be on YouTube for the rest of history, don't you think it's a better idea just to put on a mask? No, just for the moment. You're preaching to the choir. It you're, makes no sense. You can keep your pride, Yeah, but you don't have to sacrifice your life for-, for And 10, your money. And your money for 10 minutes of a YouTube video where you don't have your mask on an airplane and get kicked off. Yeah. makes no sense.
0: <laughs> Maybe they think, too, like, someone here will back me up. <laughs> My thing, too, about masks is, like, no, if this is what the anti-mask people don't really... It's not like the rest of us love it. It's not like I'm like, oh, fantastic. I hate the mask. It totally blows. We all hate it. No one likes it. So even those... Like, that's why it's you're even more of a good person by wearing because, like, we all know we all hate it. Yeah. So just, like, it's, it's more a matter of Oh, this is what's best for everyone else. And also, like, makes other people more comfortable. Yeah. That's that's where I've gotten to. Like, now that Omicron's gone down and the numbers have really gone down, I have stopped wearing it out as much. But if I'm going to be near, I'm always like, would it make you more comfortable if I wore this?
1: That's that's a, the exact right way to think about it, in my opinion. It's like, I don't, I don't understand code anymore. If I'm sick or if I'm not, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, it's like, am I going to make you feel worried about being around me because you're about to go visit your elderly parents or grandparents? Right. I bet you do kind of feel weird about that. Of course. You know what I mean? And you have
0: every right to ask me to put one on, and I'll put it on in a heartbeat.
1: I'm looking out for myself and others socially at this point. Exactly. How can I make you more at ease?
0: Yes, for sure. I'll tell you one thing. I would never be on a no-fly list. (laughs) I pride myself. Is that right? I pride myself on being a good passenger. Knock on wood,
1: sis. You need to knock on wood right now. I
0: just feel like there's bigger things to get pissed about. Like, if I get... I'll throw down and get... Be on a no-fly list if I have a middle seat. As a six-foot-tall woman, I want my aisle or my window. Fair enough. But not about a mask.
1: It's just so stupid.
0: Like, that's not a hill I'm going to die on. But the middle seat, maybe.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's a worthy hill. Ugh. <sighs>
0: Okay, next headline. High Street Soccer Stadium would include a hotel and apartments. Here's what's interesting. I think we discussed this last... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Is this the, the uh, park?
0: The big? No, not the park. This is the big old soccer stadium that's going near Rupp as well. Huh. Remember?
1: Is there a demand for soccer?
0: In Lexington In Pro Lexington? Soccer released renderings Thursday of a proposed 6,000-seat soccer stadium... 160-room hotel and a 250-unit apartment complex on the high street parking lot of Central Bank Center. This is by Beth Musgrave, by the way, of the Herald-Leader. So keep in mind, this is just a... I think everybody thinks this is for sure going to happen with this soccer stadium, when really Lexington Pro Soccer was one of four developers to submit proposals for the high street parking lot. Mm. So there could be something else...
1: Not soccer related.
0: Exactly.
1: Interesting. From, that's that's uh, one of pr- the other.
0: That's a great question. The other pr- ones, the proposals. other, pro- the other proposals have not been released. Huh. So I guess pro soccer was like, here's what we have. Let's, huh. let's get ahead of this and get a bunch of like advertising and PR out yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. And the other three are being a bit more tight lipped for whatever reasons. So it should be I thought the soccer thing Was like a done deal
1: Yeah That's what I thought From last episode
0: When really It's more a matter of Like I guess A higher up Is the one who's gonna Make the call As to which of the Four things is gonna happen
1: Interesting
0: Yes But if we do get The soccer stadium It expands the range Of entertainment opportunities Downtown Because there's It wouldn't just be soccer Obviously the field Would be used for Like like another rub Yeah An outdoor rub That's pretty neat Yeah I think it would be too So the team is coming Either way And the soccer team Is expected to start Playing in 20 Twenty twenty three, and they've said that they'll initially start playing at a college facility until a stadium is built. So I'm assuming that means UK.
1: I want to figure what, right? what other soccer store stadium is there.
0: I don't know. Last headline I have for you: This is really interesting, in my humble opinion. Yeah. This came up just recently. Medina Spirit disqualified from the Kentucky Derby. Last Kentucky Derby of twenty twenty one, a horse named Medina Spirit won. And of course, this is the one where the, tr- the very famous trainer, Bob Baffert, and he is following a ruling by the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. Racing officials stripped the colt of his win on Monday. Medina Spirit tested positive for a banned substance, beta-methasone, following his derby win. Mm. What's interesting about this horse, too, is that he died suddenly of a heart attack last year as well so it's all it's it's a little little mysterious trainer bob baffert is also suspended for 90 days from any kentucky racetrack starting march 8th through june 5th which means you can't go to the derby obviously Uh which is right in the middle of all that he was fined $7,500, has 30 days to pay it he will obviously be able to pay that it's like chump change why wouldn't you have charged more or i mean maybe you shouldn't charge as much bob baffert if you're listening we give you the benefit of the doubt we're not no, we are not.
1: How many oh. other doping uh, instances haven't been caught? Whenever he won the Derby, if I if I was a trainer from around this country, I would view him with such disgust. Really? Yes. I've always liked him as a, as like a person just that watches the Derby. Yeah, you know, like, like oh, a personality. Here comes that really shiny white haired guy <laughs> with,
0: they, with the sunglasses. With the
1: sunglasses. Watch <laughs> that hair, Bob. You know. <laughs> but the point is, is if he, he could have been cheating this whole time, he's won like seven or eight derbies. Pretty messed up when you think about it.
0: Yeah, like yeah. how how many other times? And have you I'm done sure this? he's not
1: a fool. I'm sure he knows the fact that all these other trainers think the exact same thing. I bet he's going to. Or a maybe pariah. all these other
0: trainers are doing it too. It's just like doping in like the sports world, like the Tour de France thing, you know, like all like uh, the That's Lance true. Armstrong of Kentucky derbies, basically.
1: Well, and how is Lance Armstrong viewed nowadays? It's true, the dirty cheater.
0: Just the ex-boyfriend of Cheryl Crow.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Cheryl Crow.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: He should be more famous for that than he is for the cycling. I think he is now.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, Churchill Downs previously suspended Baffert for two years. So he wasn't going to the Derby either which way because of the failed drug test. So that means that... Should we cut
1: him some some slack? You you make the call. Me? Yes.
0: As opinionated as I am about everything, I just don't have... I mean, no one should be giving horses drugs ever. That causes just, heart attacks evidently. J- and they're helpless animals. And you we're just using them as a tool. But beyond that, you certainly can't do that and also compete at the same level as these other horses. Have you
1: ever been on have you ever been a guy and been on Tinder in in this in this city?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of horse girls. Lots and lots of them. no but in fact the profile picture is just a horse face. <laughs> I can but no I kid you not. Know, lots of girls They don't have a job that involves horses. They just literally have a horse for some inexplicable reason in this city. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding you. The fourth picture, it's them and their horse. You're like, okay, you have a horse. That's pretty cool. Oh, she's cool. She's cool. Oh, another another girl with a horse. Huh? Okay.
0: I thought you were meaning. It's
1: pretty cool. Maybe that's, maybe it's pretty neat to date a girl with a horse.
0: (laughs) But horses, like that's only for rich people.
1: I, I kid you not. There's people that move here. The one that I know personally is was from Florida. And I guess Florida is a place with horse oh, yeah. culture, too. For sure. For sure. Kind. Yes. She's not rich, but she somehow has her horse stabled and it goes out there periodically and hangs out with her horse. It's a thing. It's a thing. You, you don't got to be uber wealthy. You have to be super, super into it. Had done it for a long time. Know someone that has a stable kind of thing. And they do. Really? I'm, why would I lie about But this? have
0: you gone out with any no, horse girls? No, Come on. So much of always... my,
1: much to, I, I've, I've tried. Do they you... wouldn't have me.
0: <laughs> they think that you're lowbrow. <laughs> you're not Churchill Downs material.
1: Oh, man. But, but anywho, you'd be surprised how many people are, are horse people that you wouldn't expect.
0: It's the same thing I saw at TikTok the other day where a girl was talking about Tinder in Seattle and it's only guys on mountains with backpacks. Huh. So they were singing the Dora the Explorer. Backpack, backpack. <laughs> it was like all... Because, you know, it's wherever you're from. Mm. Obviously, that's where you're...
1: You see, That's why it makes sense to see horse girls on Tinder in Lexington.
0: That's just, makes just sense. wild. Like, I didn't realize... Of course, I know that there's a horse culture here. But is th- I just didn't realize that it was that ingrained into, like, even the social media of matchmaking. You better believe it. Okay. All right. Well, good to know. Well, our heart goes out to Medina spirit, obviously. And now the official winner of last year's Kentucky Derby is Mandaloon, which who came in second originally. This is the second time in the 147 year history of the Kentucky Derby that a winner was disqualified for a drug infraction. I'm still laughing about how it's just a horse face. (laughs) i've
1: the- <laughs> never seen that that'd be funny though wouldn't it
0: <laughs> someone
1: needs to do yeah, that it's like, samantha just the face of a, the picture of a horse face
0: <laughs> and it
1: has like a smile kind of thing
0: its interests are like <laughs> hey yeah, no it just says she just said like when she first texts you hey <laughs> i
1: could if i could find you one literally within five swipes Really? Shit you not. Yeah. I'll do it right now. Why am I so surprised? You should, I was surprised at first and then this begins like it's 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 what it is. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, let's do our out and about segment. I'm going to tell you about a place that I went to with buns this past Friday, we got a hankering for German food, so we went to Marika's. How was it? It was fantastic. Are
1: they still delicious?
0: Still, yeah, really good. I had not. I have not been to Marika's since they moved and did the whole huge renovation. It's a whole complex. It's a German compound Uh over there. But what's nice about it is that there's a... If you want to go have just German food and you don't want to deal with the bar and the volleyball and all of Hustle that... And bustle. Completely separate. You can just do the restaurant. And that was... Even for a Friday night at like 7 o'clock, reservations, they do take them, but they weren't even necessary. Like we could have just walked in. It was busy enough to where I didn't worry about them at all, but not so busy that we couldn't grab a table. Yeah. And it was great. We got this ginormous pretzel to start with. They have an appetizer. It, the pretzel is bigger than your head if you want to go and you're like oh i really want a pretzel which is what i wanted to start off with it was insanely large so Mm. that could that would be a really great like group appetizer what does it come with what's little sauces it comes with german mustard which is i'm love mustard i like mustard i like dijon i like french's i like every type of mustard unfortunately Since I had COVID, the Delta variant, (laughs) she said with more prestige. With a a
1: gleam to her eye.
0: Didn't have that dirty Omicron. I had Delta, baby. Something about Delta, and I'll die on this hill. Having Delta back in the day, or whatever I had around October of 2021, the only symptom that I had was that I lost my taste and smell for a week or two. And then when it came back, now I taste chemicals in everything. So, the same chemical, I was telling you about this the other day, the same, there's a chemical that is shared between the smell of gasoline, most body soaps, and whatever's in Coca-Cola. Huh. Yeah.
1: And it's it's unpleasant, this new smell of it
0: those? Is, it is unpleasant in the sense that it just tastes very synthetic hmm. and foreign and like it's not supposed to be in your body. Hmm like much like how i would imagine a cross between bleach and just chemical
1: and like like, like uh medicine. Yeah, exactly. You know what i'm saying? Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um and what sucks is that certain foods that you wouldn't expect to have chemicals in and probably don't maybe don't even have any at all taste different now to me too. Hmm. Which is really sad because I approach every food now being like, well, am I still going to like this? Like, I used to love this, and but I haven't had it since I've had COVID. Am I going to like... So without thinking twice, I take the giant pretzel and I dunk it into this mustard that I knew I would love and I eat it and it tastes awful. The mustard does. The mm. pretzel is fantastic, but there's something... It just sucks. It just sucks. It's It like totally a, sucks. Yeah. It's a brand new ball field of like, okay, so your taste buds aren't the same as they used to be. I've
1: seen people in social media like truly bummed out, remorseful that they got COVID only because that they're they're not, you know, everyone's kind of a foodie.
0: Right. Of everyone, course. Everyone loves food. Everyone Absolutely. loves their
1: favorite foods. And when you don't get to have your favorite food anymore without it tasting like medicine or something, it mm-hmm. tastes really uh, synth- synthetic, really can make you sad. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So that part was a bummer. Like, Things
1: are menu nowadays. Because 10-ish years ago, it was like, you can get yourself a, it wasn't like German cuisine. It was It was beer food. Oh. Hot dogs and pretzels, but it wasn't like, uh, do, do they have a, a true menu? Yeah, now, for sure. They nowadays. have
0: schnitzel and lots of different, they have several different types of sausages. That you can, they have sauerkraut. They have all these different types of potato. I mean, I've been to Oktoberfest in Munich and it was pretty similar really? to stuff like that, huh. which granted Oktoberfest in Munich is very catering to like tourists anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is what you want to see of our German cuisine, you know, but they were doing the same thing and it was just as delicious. Yeah. Yeah, the portions are huge.
1: How can there be that many differences in a freaking wiener, right? No, like, oh, but there are. Can there be that many oh, differences in a, in a cooked hot dog? Come on! Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Please. And as you know, Buns is a wiener connoisseur. I know he is. So he was definitely going to town on that sausage. Yeah.
1: Did he get the? the did he give the thumbs up?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I loved it. Huh? For sure. And they have a really extensive beer selection. Lots of like beers back from his home homeland (laughs) that he was very excited to see. And then like there's a banana bread beer, which is this underground thing that some people some people love banana bread beer. I don't know, but he does. And it was on the menu. That good was, for That you. was really exciting. Tell us about your movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I got one that's pretty freaking neat. Uh, I'm sorry. I haven't done many comedies, but this one's called the killing of a sacred deer. Uh, you, you heard of this?
0: You and I talked about this. Go on.
1: It's got Colin Farrell, wherever he's been. He's been hiding on a rock the last few years, seems like, but this came out a few years ago itself. And it's about a doctor, played by Colin Farrell, who has a blotched surgery some years beforehand. And uh, the son of that blotched surgery, the patient had had died. The son is acting his revenge on Colin Farrell and his family in unspeakable and crazy ways. It's a very dramatic movie. It's not a horror movie, though.
0: I would venture to say it's it just is
1: th- It's it's really not. It's just a thriller.
0: It's incredibly suspenseful though. It's very
1: crazy suspenseful. And there's mo- like the interplay between Colin Farrell and this vengeful kid are some of the best scenes I've seen in a long time. The
0: acting style of each and every character is very unsettling. Yes. The way that they deliver lines weirds you out. Yes. I remember that. You've seen this? Oh yeah, I've seen it. And I turned it off halfway through. <laughs> and not because the plot was getting to me or it was I mean, hell, I love true really gruesome true crime. Yeah. I can handle my gruesomeness. The Acting style in which they all were on board with and the way they delivered lines was so unnerving <laughs> That it made me it gave me a little bit of anxiety for yeah. some reason. It's
1: a very Anxiety inducing yeah. movie.
0: Yeah, some but I would still I you know I need to go back and rewatch it because I would still recommend it because it's so different than anything You're gonna it's see a really
1: good movie. It really is if you can get to the end you you'll um, you'll be so sad You watch the whole thing. So but
0: wait, you said comedy
1: I said, I said, sorry, it wasn't a comedy.
0: Oh, gotcha. Because yeah. I was like, I'm not going to put uh, that in the comedy.
1: Everything I, I've recommended has always never been a comedy, but you'll still really enjoy them.
0: We should challenge you to do a comedy for next week. An off the beaten path comedy.
1: Off the beaten path comedy. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear about the Barnes murders. We'll do,
0: we'll do Barnes family murders part two, which may end the whole thing next week. I want a
1: really good synopsis. Like I want a 10 minute spiel of you just running down play by play what happens once they get there according to uh,
0: his testimony his testimony yeah will that be okay you just want to put a lot of work on me so then I'll have to keep pushing back the time that we're going to record
1: that's not true but what I want is like the same way the last couple episodes of the, of the, of the Turpin was. oh you want
0: a huge old script I'm
1: gonna say like you no not a huge old script like 10-15 minutes where you just I like, guess you did that really good the last time
0: you want a narrative don't worry brother I got you I got you Next time on the Lexington podcast, we'll continue our investigation of the Barnes family murder on Russell Cave Road. The escaped convicts begin their crime spree. And by the end of the night, several people die in two different counties. The Lexington podcast is produced by Erica Fries and Jonathan O'Hare in association with Freeze Media. All original music by Jonathan O'Hare. Email us anytime at lexingtonpodcast at gmail.com or catch us on Instagram. or Lexington Podcast on there as well. As always, if you enjoyed this show, we'd sure appreciate a kind rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're on. Or even better, if you'd like to recommend us to a family member or friend or worthless little brother, who loves Lexington like we do, we would be forever grateful. A few of you have already done that in the past couple of weeks, and we have really noticed a difference. Thank you so much. Special thanks to our sources this week, which include the Lexington Herald-Leader, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, LEX 18, and Kentucky Bloodbath by Kevin Sullivan. Have a great week.